Hey folks, my name is Tom and I lead our team here at Crossroads. And I just want to take a second and just tell you, I'm just super happy to see our good friend Patrick back behind the kit after taking a little hiatus due to the busy season at work. So good to have he and the, the band leading us in worship today. Um, if you are new here or maybe you're not the, not the early bird type, you may not be aware that we actually uh, opened the doors to our digital lobby about 15 minutes, not about exactly 15 minutes before before service starts. And we do that so people can come in, get settled in, um, and maybe chat a little bit in the box on the side. And we also throw a, a conversation starter out there. Sometimes it's a little bit lighter and small talky. Like last week, we asked uh, what your favorite part of the Super Bowl was, if it's either the food or the football. And of course, the right answer is, is both. Um, sometimes we'll ask a question that has to pertain directly to the service or the sermon, like today's that, um, that said, what, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, give 100%, or, or she left it all in the field, or he gave his all? And as I've been um, preparing these, these sermons on the, on the book of Acts, I feel like I've gotten to know the Apostle Paul a little bit, and he is who I thought of when, um, when I hear that phrase. Paul gave absolutely everything that he had, everything for Jesus and everything for people, and man, that is such a, a just a countercultural idea back then and, and now. You know, it, regardless of the fact that we are just pummeled with these messages of, um, you know, consume more and accumulate more and live the good life, those aren't the things that we were, that we were created for, right? We weren't meant to chase after awesome brunches and vacations and, um, and sex and drugs and alcohol. You know, some of those things, that list, God actually created for our enjoyment, but they weren't meant to be our security and our salvation. You and I, all of humanity, we were created in the image of God. Our original mandate as humanity was to mirror him, to be his image, image bearers, and to rule earth with him, right? And, and in doing that, we, we're supposed to mirror God, who is the embodiment of of perfect generosity and self-sacrifice and creativity and, and a, gener- a generative, productive um, approach to things. And that's how we're supposed to uh, go about this life, not chasing after that other stuff. And as we, as we catch up with Paul and as we've looked at his interactions, you know, the, the back half of the book of Acts, I think we're going to continue to see in his example all the way up until the to the end of the book of Acts and, and what we know about the end of his life after Acts um, is that he gave, he did, he gave his all heart, um, heart, mind, and body. And in his example, I think we will find that fulfilling our God-given purpose to give everything that we are to God and to others is the best thing for God, for others, and for you and, and for me. So when we left off last week, um, Paul was in Ephesus. He was actually there for three years. That timeline that you're looking at, this is I'm referring to that top red line. He was there for three years, and the Holy Spirit did amazing, amazing things through him. And as was his practice, as he started to um, share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus with people, a community of Jesus followers was formed, and Paul appointed leaders, or the scripture calls them elders. And their job was to, to care for the flock, to protect it, to um, remind them of the things that Paul taught and to remind them who Jesus is. 
So towards the end of, of Paul's time in, in Ephesus, uh, there was a, a riot. And the riot was created, was started by this man named Demetrius, who was a silversmith. And he was really, really upset because the message that Paul was bringing, the message of you know, uh, faith in Jesus, was going to cut off his source of income. As a silversmith, they created trinkets and idols and statues of the local deity, Artemis. And they were afraid that if people kept leaving Artemis and going to Jesus, they were going to lose their source of income. Oh, and, and by the way, they were also a little bit afraid of you know, dishonoring and, and offending their, their local deity. But man, these guys got really worked up. And this was like a, a loud, violent, chaotic scene. And it turned into thousands of people rushing down the main street of Ephesus into this amphitheater that's like made for 20,000 or so plus people. Um, the, the remnants of it are still, are still there today. You can still see it. And everybody's there and they're shouting and they're chanting. And Paul wants to get in there and wants to do his thing. He just sees thousands of people and he wants to tell them about Jesus. He wants to tell them why Jesus is better than Artemis and why they don't need the trinkets. And Paul's friends who were in the Roman government, the local officials, it says they had to restrain him. They had to persuade him not to go in there. I kind of feel like they had to like bear hug him and, and keep, him, um, keep him from going in there. But they were successful in keeping Paul out of the crowd. They went in and they quelled the, the uprising and they, they kept Paul safe. So that was at the end of Paul's time in, in Ephesus. From there, he, um, he hits the road again and he wants to go back up and through Macedonia and back into Greece, just like Leanne had, had referenced. Um, and he visits the churches where he was before. So Ma- the Macedonian churches, Philippi, Berea, Thessaloniki. He comes down into Athens, all the way down into Corinth. And then he does like an about face and he starts heading back towards, towards Ephesus. But what we can piece together from his other letters it's really, it's really informative both ways. When you read Acts to read Paul's letters, when you read Paul's letters to read Acts, because not only was Paul checking on those churches, but again, just as Leon and Stacey mentioned, he was collecting money for the church in Jerusalem. The church in Jerusalem was really, really struggling financially. And Paul had this awesome financial gift that he was in a big hurry to get back to Jerusalem. So instead of going back and stopping at Ephesus, because he knew he was there for three years. He had this huge network of relationships. Lots of people would want to see him, would want his time, would want to hear from him. So that would just make it an even longer trip to Jerusalem. So instead of that, he goes to that little town, that place, um, Miletus, which is about a two-day's trip back then from Ephesus, and he sends for the elders of the Ephesian church. And so the rest of this chapter, I'm going to read you um, the account and we get this really good insight into all that Paul is about and how he went about giving his all. So this is uh, Acts chapter 20. We are starting in verse 17. It says, From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and taught you publicly and from house to house. 
So Paul is reminding them that there, there was not a thing anyone could say about the way he conducted himself that would have gotten in the way of the gospel, that would have made, given any, he was totally, totally above reproach in how he talked and, and in how he acted. Um, it wasn't even, like, even in the face of this opposition that he faced from the Roman, the Roman officials, from the Jewish opposition, uh, he, he kept his stuff together. All right, uh, continue on. We're in verse 21. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, but knowing what will happen to me there... Sorry, I... <clears throat> Let's go back a verse. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Right there, there is Paul's motivation. What propels him, what allows him, what compels him to give 100% of himself, 100% of his, his heart, his mind, and his body. Verse 25. Now I know that none of, none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. This is, this is important. Keep this in mind. The whole will of God. Paul did not leave anything out. He taught him the hard stuff. He taught him the easy stuff and everything in between. Keep watch over yourselves and, and all of the flock. This is, he's talking to the, uh, to the elders now. Keep watch over yourself and of all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Paul is doing a couple things here. He's casting vision for them about what they need to do after, after he leaves. He's um, putting up some guardrails, some warnings about what they should be looking out for and how they should be conducting themselves in care of um, the community of Jesus followers that's developing. Uh, verse 31. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the work, the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or anything. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul sets himself up as, um, as an example there and he is he's going to do that again he does that time and time again that people should follow him as he follows Jesus and the last couple of verses when he had said this he knelt down with all of them and prayed they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him and 
What grieved them most, most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. All right, so this, this is the, the, the account of a missionary going into places that hadn't heard of Jesus, that all totally countercultural, the thoughts and ideas that, that he was bringing. And we are not all called to be missionaries. Some of us are. Some of us, God is going to give us that nudge and say, hey, I want you to get up and go. The rest of us, all of us, have to live with a missionary mindset, the mindset that Paul laid out for us, not just the mindset, but the heart and the conduct. That's how we have to approach what we're doing. And more and more, as the society in which we live becomes a post-Christian world in which the things of Jesus are going to be new to a lot of people again. So I want to point out three things, right? I've used the phrase before that Paul gave all that he was. He gave his heart, he gave his mind, and he gave his body. And we're going to, um, we're going to look at some kind of specific examples of the text of, of how he did that, what we can learn from it, and how we can go about doing the same thing. So when we use the term heart, sometimes it, we use it to mean the center of our emotions. And in three different places in those verses that I just read to you, it talks about Paul's tears, right? The first time are tears of distress. And, you know, Carrie talked to us about how distressed Paul was when he walked through the streets of Athens at the spiritual climate that was there. These are Paul's tears for people that he hasn't met yet, but he can tell that they don't know Jesus. He looks around the culture that he's in the midst of, and he sees so many people so far from Jesus, and that brings him to tears. Tears of concern. These are tears for people that Paul has gotten to know, that he shared Jesus with, and they're starting to walk with him, and he is concerned to the point of tears about their walk of faith, about their ability to continue on with Jesus because the culture in which they live is so hostile. There's so many opposing forces and there's so many things that are going to pull at them. And the last one, these tears of goodbye. These are for people who, um, who Paul has spent a lot of time with and he's grown very fond of and they've grown very fond of him. And this is, this is part, these tears of goodbye are part of, um, a, they're, they're a part of life, but especially when we live with and for Jesus. I mean, I was thinking, as I was preparing this, I was thinking through all the folks that have come through Crossroads and all the folks that we have sent out into the world. Um, these, you know, call them gospel goodbyes, right? But that we had the chance to spend time with people here at Crossroads to invest in them and, and then to pray with them and for them as they head out into the world to make an impact in other parts of, of the world. And man, those are um, some of my, my happiest, proudest, um, just joyful memories. But also at the time, same time, they were hard because I had grown to love these people like Ian and Tinica and Zach and Kara and Bree and Nick and Rich and Sarah. And I mean, I could just go on and on and on and on. The, the list of, of people, Josh and Lauren, oh my gosh, um, I'm going to stop. So the tears of Paul, right? Like if, if we in any way want to share Jesus effectively, we have to care for people. Right? If we care for people, if we give them our heart, 
it's going to be obvious to them, right? They are going to want to spend time with us. They're going to want to hear from us. We have got to give all of our heart, just like Paul did. Paul gave 100% of his mind. Paul was a really smart guy. He understood the truth of God, and he understood people, right? He didn't, like, they weren't brain scans and stuff back then. He didn't realize that he was talking to both the left side and the right side of people, people's brains. But that's exactly what he did. A couple different points in the text. Um, it says that Paul brought the whole truth, right? The whole will of God. He didn't leave anything out. He knew how important it was to connect the dots from creation to the kings and the prophets and the psalmist all the way up to Jesus to tell the full story of the biblical narrative so people could understand who Jesus is and what his purpose is and why it was necessary for them to be, not just necessary, but beneficial for them to be in relationship with them. He gave them truth and he gave them the opportunity to make a choice. And he did not sell Jesus short. He didn't turn Jesus into fire insurance or a get-out-of-jail-free card or simply make him a good moral teacher. He presented him as, as Lord and as Savior. And in all of what that means, he, he presented words of comfort, he presented words of challenge, he presented words of conviction. Paul's letters are amazing and the, the way that the tones vary depending on who he's talking to and the situational context in which he's, he's talking about. He presented truth to people and he gave them an option to make a choice. At the same time, he, he appealed what we would call now the right side of the brain, right? He appealed to the relational side of them. Paul, you know, I, I don't know many people who can be, you know, said that they were the reason for one riot to start, but Paul has started multiple riots in his missionary career and multiple ruckuses or ruckai. Um, but it wasn't him, right? He was delivering a message that some people found offensive and some people found challenging. But Paul wasn't offensive. The message of Jesus is offensive. His followers should not be. And as we look at his life, we look at this passage, just the, uh, the last couple of chapters, we look at the, the tears of the, you know, the Ephesian elders. They didn't, they didn't want to see him go. We look at the, the financial gift from the church at Philippi, they grew so fond of Paul. That's the Macedonian church, right, that didn't have anything, but they gave out of their, their poverty. They were so fond of Paul that they gave them this financial gift sacrificially. And, um, and then the Roman officials who saved him from the riot, right, they were actually friends. Of, they were fond of Paul. So in, in, not, in Paul himself not being offensive, not only did he clear the way for people to receive Jesus, but he also ended up <laughs> helping, helping himself. So if, if when, when we share Jesus in a way that reflects well upon him, people come to know and grow in Jesus. When we speak to both the left and the right side of people's brains, when we give them both truth and choice, and we offer them friendship and belonging and identity, man, what a powerful combination that is and the way that God works in, in and through that. Paul gave 100% of his mind to and for Jesus and to and for others. And the last piece, 
is that Paul gave of his physical body, his physicality. And those references that are up there, he talks about how hard he worked so that what he was doing when he was not tent making, that being sharing the gospel, could not be discredited. So Paul was like, he traveled around. And there were other kinds of people that traveled around back then, um, and maybe philosophers or whatever. But their deal was they would always end up opening up their guitar case and looking for people to put money in it. And that wasn't Paul's deal. Paul was offering to give something. And he didn't want anyone to accuse him that he didn't, he, he took care of his needs and those of his companions. He worked hard to not be an obstacle to the gospel. He also went to the weak, right? He used his strength physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. He used his strength and he went to the weak because that's what Jesus told him to do. That's the story of the gospel. It's the powerful going to those without power and doing for them what they cannot do on their own and they could never repay. And Paul used his body to do that. His Everything that he taught was echoed in his actions and everything that he did was echoed in, in his words. You know, several different times in Paul's letters, he refers to himself as a drink offering. And... Uh, which simply means that um, it's an Old Testament reference that his Jewish audience would have recognized immediately. And it means that he was happy to give his life so that other people would have the opportunity to come to know who Jesus is and or to grow in their faith. And he called himself a drink offering and he was happy to be that. He would give his body for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of others. All right, so give 100% of your heart, your mind, and your body. That's like a, that's a tall order. And I can think of a couple of different ways that you might be feeling about this right now. And you're thinking about your heart and giving, giving all of your heart. And some of us um, have wondering whether we can do that, right? We got stuff going on in our lives and we don't know if we have room in our heart for for relationships that are so important to us, so important to Jesus that they could bring us to tears. And I, that's, I'm, I'm there, right? Like, I don't, it's, it's hard. This is hard what we do to invest in people's lives and all the challenges and just the mess that, that life can be that we all live through. Maybe um, you are, you're thinking about the mind aspect of this, right? And you are like Paul's example. Paul shared all of Jesus. He shared the hard stuff and he shared the easy stuff. And um, maybe you, you were, you're just like more prone to the relational side and, and that were, you know, that's comfortable for you. But you need to work on sharing the full picture of God or vice versa, right? Maybe you're really comfortable just like getting into the scriptures, but like getting into a relationship with somebody and open yourself up, that's, that's harder. Maybe your, um, your words are there, but your actions, right? You're not, you're not allowing Jesus to work through your physicality, to do the hard work that would clear some of the way. So I want to leave us with a couple of thoughts about how we can develop our hearts and our minds and our bodies um, so that we can give 100% of, of them away. And the, the first one is this, right? You cannot give away what you do not have. 
the most loving thing you can do for somebody is to introduce them to Jesus. But if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you can't do that. So that's where, that's where it all starts. It starts with you and with Jesus and you coming before him and saying, Jesus, I need you. I want to be with you. I'm sorry. I, I want to commit the rest of my life to, to follow your guidance, to submit to your direction and to give all of myself to you and to other people. And that's, that's what a relationship is with Jesus. It's not, not, just a, not just a prayer you say one time. It's that continually turning over all of who you are to him. And then once you can do that, right, in order we enter into this relationship with Jesus and we begin to be transformed into his likeness. And one of the ways that we do that is by spending time with him. Now, I, I, um, I gave you, there's two really specific ways that you can try to do that this week. In the notes, right, if you, there's a link in the chat that came up earlier, should be there again now, that um, will take you to my sermon notes. And within those notes, there are two links. There's one to a meditation on grace, which is, the, it's just, there's a great website called Bible Hub. And I put a search in there for the word grace and the New Testament, and it's all these references. The vast majority of them are from Paul. I would encourage you to go through that and to read some of what Paul taught about grace and the gift, right, the unmerited favor, the gift from God that, that grace is, and just spend some time thinking about how awesome God's grace is for you and for me. The other piece is there is a link to um, a devotional, and it's a chapter a day, and it will get you through the New Testament in a year. So maybe you just need to spend some more time with Jesus. You spend some time meditating on this gift of grace that he gives us, or you, you do some, some daily reading and you get in that habit. Those links are in, uh, in the notes, which is in the chat. The other thing that you can do is to spend some time with people who you already see giving 100% of their heart, of their mind, and their body. Find a mentor, find somebody who is a little bit further down the road of faith than you are, who's living for Jesus, who's living like Jesus, and ask if you can spend some time with them. And this, I referred to this a little bit earlier. Paul said this, he said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He, he says this numerous times through, throughout his letters, right? So I would encourage you to find that Paul-like figure in your life and to step into that and to ask somebody if, if you can tag along and see how they live life with Jesus, see how they give 100% of their heart, mind, and body. Last one is this, is I would encourage you to, um, to be like a sponge, to live like a sponge. A sponge is meant to soak stuff up, and as soon as it's full, as soon as it's saturated, it can no longer serve its purpose, right? It has to be wrung out. It has to be emptied in order to be filled again. So if we're taking the time to get to know Jesus and to, to, um, to develop our relationship with him and to be filled up with him, if we're walking with mentors who are filling us up, we're following their example, we're going to get to this point of saturation and we're going to need to take that and we're going to need to spend time with folks who are maybe not quite as far down the road of faith as we are or with folks who don't know Jesus, and you invest in them, and you pour yourself out to them to the point of tears over concern for their walk. 
with Jesus. And in doing those things, we can develop the heart and the mind and the body of Paul and that willingness to give 100%. You and I were created, we were created in the image of God to give all of who we are. You know, we weren't called to to be Paul. We weren't called to share everything that Paul knew. Jesus calls us to be the man, the woman, the student, the child that he created us to be. We're, Jesus is going to hold us accountable for what we do know, right? For sharing all that we do know. He doesn't expect us to be Paul. And if we can step into this idea that the, our purpose, our created purpose, was to give 100% of ourselves away to Jesus and to others, we will live the life for which we were created. That's our purpose, right? And we, you will find fulfillment. You will find satisfaction. You will be walking with Jesus. You're being transformed into his likeness. And folks will come to know and grow in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the many examples of the men and women in your word and how they lived their lives in difficult circumstances and how they brought you to people and how they interacted with people and how they treated your word. Um, Lord, would you make us the kind of people that follow their example? Would you help us to develop um, hearts and minds and bodies that are just 100% devoted to you and 100% sold out for other people? God, would you do that in our community? Would you lead us in that way? God, give us eyes to see where you're at work that we might follow you with all that we have, that we might step into the purpose for which you created us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.